hey, you are wildly capable of great things. So take a deep breath, let it out. You've got this. I want to tell you guys today about Brandlink Media, a female-owned digital agency with years of experience working with businesses in Oklahoma and beyond on their branding, web design, email marketing, copywriting, and more. Remember, you are wildly capable of great things and Brandlink Media is cheering you on. Visit www.brandlinkmedia.com to schedule a free consultation. Link in our show notes. It is my pleasure to introduce today County Commissioner Carrie Blumert. Carrie, tell us about a few defining moments of your life. There are two in particular that come to my mind in regards to um, kind of getting me to where I am, getting me to run for county commissioner and have the desire to do that and the confidence to do that. A couple of years ago, I think it was maybe 2014, maybe 2015, I was at the Zero Symposium in Tulsa, which is a pretty big regional mental health and addiction symposium every year. It's incredible. And there's seven or 800 people there. It's all the top people in mental health and addiction. And they've recently integrated a lot of stuff, um, a lot of content around um, housing and homelessness and serving veterans. And so it's become a really cool space. So the keynote speaker one year was Melissa Harris Perry, who is, she used to have her own um, news show. Um, She's a professor. She's a pretty well-known speaker and writer. And she was talking about racial justice issues. And she was showing all these images um, from um, really horrific images from slavery. And then she talked about the history of the, um, uh, the Statue of Liberty and why certain things are are on the Statue of Liberty and chains at her feet and why incredible. But I remember watching her speak, passionate about what she was speaking about. She got the people watching so engaged and so enthralled in what she was talking about. And you could tell that she really wanted you to feel as passionate about this issue as she was. I mean, she was one of the most inspiring public speakers I've ever seen. And I remember watching that and thinking, I would love to do something like that someday. Like I would love to be that comfortable speaking in front of that many people about something that I care very deeply about. And I mean, I will never forget that. And that moment didn't make me want to necessarily run for office, but it made me think, oh, I could do something bigger than what I'm doing right now. And she can do it and she's really good at it. And so that was looking back, that was a really important moment for me to see a woman um, speaking in that way and being such an eloquent public speaker about an issue that she cared about. Um, Another moment was when I had decided to run for county commissioner, or I was sort of thinking about it. And I sat down with Kendra Horn, who was our congresswoman for the fifth district in 2019 and 2020. And I said to her, are you, sh- are you sure I'm qualified to do this? B- exactly like that. 
are you sure I'm qualified for this? And she looked me in the eyes, she got really close to me and she looked me in the eyes and she said, yes, don't ever let anyone tell you you're not, you have the exact qualifications for this job. Do not ever say that to yourself. And I needed someone to look me in the eyes that <laughs> strongly and say, uh-uh. And so that was another really important moment for me to, for someone of her, you know, position and caliber to look at me and say that was kind of a turning moment in my confidence in myself. Um, what were you doing prior to the Zero Symposium? So before I decide or before I got elected, I was working for the Oklahoma City County Health Department. Um, so my background is public health. My master's is in public health. My undergrad was in social work. So I had always worked in either nonprofit agencies and now I was working for a local health department. And I wore several different hats while I was there, had several different jobs and really loved the interaction with the community that I had and getting to meet all different kinds of people and connect them with the services we had and see it improve their lives. So I was... I was not a really public person. I was not a well-known person before I ran. Um, I was just doing my job at the health department and really enjoying it and enjoying living in Oklahoma City and then kind of had those few pivotal moments that made me decide to do something else. So I'm sure your job is pretty taxing and being a public figure, I'm sh I know, can be taxing. So where do you go to stay inspired and for fresh inspiration and to refill your cup? I usually have to leave town. <laughs> um, last summer, so summer of 2020, when nothing was going on, we were in the height of the pandemic. I got in my car and I put one of my dogs in my car with me and I drove to California and I'd never done anything like that. And it was the, one of the best experiences of my life. Leading up to that trip, I was very burned out. I was exhausted from being in government and trying to respond to COVID. You know, that was very early on. We all kind of didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know when a vaccine was coming. It was just, it, it was exhausting. And so I took... 10 days off, got in the car, drove by myself with one of my dogs. And it was incredible. And I remember at the end of that trip thinking, okay, there's space in my brain now. There's space to think of new ideas. There's space to try new things, to be creative. And I hadn't felt that in a really long time. So that trip taught me that if I'm really feeling stuck, it helps me, even if it's not a 10 day trip, it does help me to, to get out of town for a day or two um, and kind of clear my head and make some space. So tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like as county commissioner and you know what, what you're doing and what you feel maybe in your day-to-day -day makes an impact. So my days are never the same. <laughs> um, it's, it's different from day to day, but typically um, I call pick, I'll pick yesterday. 
Um, I had, I had two meetings in the morning, um, both with um, one with a public coalition who are working on fines and fees in the justice system. And they're also working on um, addressing homelessness. And so I was meeting with her to talk about how we can coordinate our work together, how we can get her members more engaged in Homeless Alliance and some of those other organizations. And then I had a meeting about the federal relief money that we've received for COVID. Um, so Oklahoma County has will receive over the next year over $150 million. So we are trying to figure out how to best spend that money, whether it's internally in county facilities or it's externally for public programs or investing in infrastructure. So that meeting was um, with someone to discuss possible upgrades to our county courthouse, um, which the county commissioners have authority over maintaining and owning the county courthouse. The judges and the the actual court proceedings that happen inside that building are a state function. And so I have no control over the judges and what they do, but I do have to provide them the actual courthouse space. Okay. And then in the afternoon, um, oh man, I'm going to have to look at my calendar and see what I did yesterday. Um, I went and toured on the northeast side of Oklahoma City. I toured a um, an urban farm. Um, it's called Restore Farms, and they are growing all kinds of vegetables, all kinds of fruit. They have vertical gardens. Um, they have, I think, they're called hydroponic gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was coming to tour their garden space, but I was also wanting to discuss with them some funding opportunities for um, their, they restore farms as part of Restore OKC. They're a nonprofit in Northeast Oklahoma City and they just opened up the market at East Point, which is a kind of a smaller homeland. Um, It opened a couple months ago and they are piloting a program um, where folks who receive SNAP benefits can get um, kind of double points, double bucks to buy more fruits and vegetables. And so we were having a discussion with them about how they can better fund the program and where that funding can come from. Um, So yesterday, those meetings were pretty public facing meetings about what's going on in the community. There are some days where most of my meetings are internal, where I'm meeting with the other county commissioners, I'm meeting with Um, our budget board to discuss internal budget needs um, or budget changes. And so really every day is different. Some days I'm on the phone the whole day and some days I'm out in the community the whole day. Um, It just depends on kind of what I'm working on that day um, and what, what needs to get done. That's incredible. My brother actually helps to manage a hydroponic farm. So I probably know more about it than the average. (laughs) Yeah, he loves it. Um, And every time I go to visit him at work, I leave with a giant bushel of like kale and basil. And yeah, his is in Tulsa or right outside of Tulsa. So um, it's not in this exact area. But um, when you look at your future, you know, what do you see? Do you have big goals that you want to accomplish or future office positions you want to run for? Uh, talk to us about your future. 
So next year, um, I will be running for re-election for county commissioner. I would love to serve four more years. Um, my term currently, I'm in year three of four. So I would love to serve a total of eight years. And then after that, um, it depends on how I feel. Um, I might need a, a little bit of a break from <laughs> serving in elected office, but there might be another space for me, another spot for me to run for. I would love to be able to serve more people and really focus on our statewide, um, improving our statewide prison system, our statewide justice system. You know, my control is is really only in Oklahoma County in our jail and, and working with our sheriff. And so there are some broader issues that I would really love to get to focus on. Um, I don't know what that role would be. Um, we'll wait and see in a couple of years, but with, with politics, it's always, it's hard to predict, you know, five to six years in advance because so many things can shift and change and seats can open up and um, you can get to the point where it's time to run and you're ready for a break. Um, so I don't know. I, I do know that I would love to continue working on criminal justice issues, um, mental health and homelessness, which is kind of wrapped up in all of those other issues. Um, so many folks coming in and out of our jail, in and out of our courthouse, interacting with law enforcement are people who are homeless or they have severe mental illness that's untreated. And so those are issues, whatever role I'm in, I would love to be able to continue to work on those issues. So inspiring. Um, and tell us what was your proudest moment so far? In 2019, so I was a little baby commissioner, um, which wasn't that long ago, uh, the mayor and the uh, mayor Holt and I sat down and talked about MAPS 4, um, which Oklahoma City residents voted on at the end of 2019. And for those of you listening, um, if you're not familiar with the MAPS program, it's a one cent sales tax that is voted on every about almost 10 years. And when the residents vote on the sales tax, they are essentially voting on a package of projects that that sales tax will fund. And it's all capital investments. Um, Scissortail Park, uh, the convention center, um, all the upgrades to public schools several years ago, Bricktown Ballpark, uh, a lot of the major projects you see in Oklahoma City were paid for by that one cent sales tax. So the fourth round was coming up in 2019 and the mayor came to me and said, commissioner, can you kind of lead the way on how we should spend MAPS money for mental health? And I about fell out of my chair because <laughs> I thought, this is, what, this is what public officials work for 20 years to get the opportunity to do. And it's my first year in office and he's asking me to do this. And, and the reason why he asked me was because not only did I run on a platform of mental health and criminal justice reform, I have a really, I have very good relationships in the mental health community uh, among the agencies that operate in Oklahoma City and in Oklahoma, and I have good relationships. And so what I decided to do was kind of build a coalition of various agencies and started listening to them about, hey, if you had a bunch of money to to help your work, what would it look like? And it 
we kind of narrowed it down to we need more crisis centers. Um, so places that folks can go when they are in um, immediate crisis, they don't need to go to the jail. They probably don't need to go to an emergency room, but they need some type of mental health stabilization. In Oklahoma County, we only have two crisis centers and they are capped at 16 beds. So in MAPS 4, we included three new crisis centers that will be spread out throughout Oklahoma City. One of those crisis centers will be a little bit bigger and have more services related to addiction treatment, detox, um, opioid treatment. Um, we are modeling that third crisis center off of something San Antonio has done. And in San, in San Antonio, it's called the Restoration Center. And before COVID, we actually took our coalition down to tour the Restoration Center. And we came away from it thinking, yeah, this is exactly what we need in Oklahoma City. So those three crisis centers. And then we also managed to slip in um, housing for folks who have mental illness, who are transitioning out of the jail or transitioning out of a hospital or a crisis center who otherwise would have nowhere else to go. Um, so folks who would be going back to homelessness who do have some type of mental illness. Um, we wanted a secure, safe um, environment for those folks to stay short term to where they can get connected to services, hopefully get long-term housing. We based this model off of something Tulsa does really well um, called the Yale Apartments. Um, the Yale Apartments in Tulsa, we also went and toured those and they are a little bit more long-term, um, but they, it is specific supportive housing for folks with mental illness. So when you walk in the door, it feels just like a regular apartment building. You just have extra staff on hand who have relationships with the residents. There's programming and activities, and they're always checking in on the residents. So that's something we wanted here. So those components, the crisis center, the restoration center, and the housing, we got included in MAPS 4. Um, it's around $40 million in capital investment. And MAPS 4 passed. And so over the next couple of years, we'll get to see those facilities come to life. And one of the, the perks of MAPS, of MAPS is that Oklahoma City will build the facilities and then they will put out um, an RFP or a request for proposal on what entity can can properly run those programs. So it might be North Care, it might be Red Rock, it might be Mental Health Association. So the city will invest in the actual building and then a, a partner agency will get to actually provide the services. So that is my very long answer um, <laughs> to what I'm most proud of, of getting, getting that, those things included in MAPS. 100 Magazine is a publication featuring 100 wildly capable women in Oklahoma City. Buy the magazine to read all 100 interviews at 100mag.com. Wildly Capable Woman podcast is produced by Sugar Free Media. You can check out our daily news podcast, News Du Jour, for a calmer space to consume the news. Music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Please consider rating and reviewing this podcast if it meant something to you to help us reach other wildly capable women.